Good morning. Oh, beautiful day, isn't it? Oh, man. You know, it just kind of keeps echoing what we celebrated last week. You know, the resurrection, you just see it all around, don't you? You know, everything's just coming alive. And you know, the, the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, the power that it took was a greater power than it has uh, taken to put all the leaves on the trees throughout the whole world. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, lives in you. Do you ever feel weak? Well, the enemy of our soul is trying to convince us that we don't have any power. But that song we just listened to, it was based upon a scripture in the Bible that the same power, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in us. That's awesome. And we can get a hold of that. He can get a hold of us. And we can access that power. It changes things. It really does. You know, we started talking last week about this changes everything. What, what we studied last week, what we celebrated last week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it changes everything. If we can grasp hold of that, not just, well, it was a holiday, you know, we had nice food, you know, and we got together with family, got a new dress or a new tie or whatever it might be. Well, you know, I don't get new ties, right? You know, <laughs> I don't have old ties, hardly. But, you know, there's a, there's a resurrection power that's available to you that would change everything in your life for the better. That's just the way it is. This changes, this changes everything. Everything. It genuinely does. Um, I want you to look with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. No, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, You who were once far away from God, and, and all of us were, you know, you, you, you're, you're born into this world with sin. You know, even if your mom and dad is a preacher, when you're born, you're born in this world with sin. And, and there comes a time in your life where you have to make your own choice, you know, welcome Christ into your life. But the Bible says you were once far away from God and you were his enemies and separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. You ever had evil thoughts and actions? Ever separated from God? You know, it's like once, once. Now, that's just a little foundation. We'll, we'll, we'll keep moving on. But it says in Romans 3, 23, it says, for everyone has sinned. Everyone. Now, is anybody in here who has never sinned? Anybody who has never sinned at all? You all misunderstood that, right? Gotcha. When I was a young teenager in the church that I went to, that question was asked. It really was. And I don't think they really expected anybody to answer, but there was a lady and she was sitting right over here on this side, about where Mike's at. Hope I don't represent you, Mike. And when the preacher said, is anybody here who has never sinned? She raised her hand. For real. She wasn't a nice lady either. 
I think she didn't, she didn't think about it too good. Because the Bible says, who sinned? Everybody. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And what is God's glorious standard? To be like Jesus. That's, we all fall short of being perfect like Jesus. And that's God's glorious standard, is that we become conformed to the image of his Son. And it says, everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And listen to this passage. It's interesting. Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man. Now, someone told me just this past week, and, and when I heard it, I'm going like, those people are just absolutely hmm, not wise. Okay, I'll just say it that way. That's a gracious way of saying it. But they told me that we have leaders in our land. And it gets all involved in the political stuff. And it starts being related to abortion. And we have people who fight against that. And they, they believe children have the right to live, you know, and I do as well. But they said that it is something that is being promoted and people are believing it. And saying that, you know, they've convinced people, even great leaders, supposedly wise people, that when a child is conceived... Until it is born, it is a parasite. Like a tick, you know? And you have the right to remove parasitic things, you know? And you think, where do they come up with that stuff? I can tell you one thing, it didn't come from God. You know, it wasn't from God. But the Bible says, and let's just let the verse speak for itself. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And there's a lot of people, well, oh, that seems right. I read that in a book where somebody said it, or I saw it on television. That seems right. But the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. How many people here honestly to the core of their being, you really genuinely believe that the earth is flat. What was that? But do you? Do you believe the earth is flat? We had one person in the last service who did. I think they misunderstood what I said, you know. But even if you believe it's flat, what about the rest of you? You believe it's flat? No way. Is it possible that a person can believe something that's wrong? Absolutely. And the Bible says there is a way that seems right. It seems logical. It seems maybe scientific, maybe, you know, but but it's not right. It, It will end in death. So we see so far, it says you were once far away from God, his enemies, you know. It says all of us have... Sin, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard, which is to be like his son. There's, there's ways that people follow that seems right, that it ends in death. And uh, how many of you, whether you're retired and you get a, uh, a paycheck once a month or, or you're still working, or, but how many of you get a paycheck every once in a while? Most of you do. How would you like your paycheck to come in and you open it and it has these great big thick bold letters and it just says death. I mean, you're like, 
I'll work for free. You know, it's like, I want that. But the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages, the payday of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. But there is a free gift that comes from the almighty God, this life everlasting. Well, let's go back to Colossians chapter 1, looking with me to verse 22. It says, yet now he, almighty God, has reconciled you to himself. He, he has brought you back to himself. He's, he's, he's brought us back together. It says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. You know, Jesus was our whipping boy. He took the punishment that was rightly supposed to come to us. As a result, he brought you into his own presence. Because of what Christ has done, and we've been reconciled, we've been brought into the presence of God. Now, let me, let me ask you an honest question, and, and don't exaggerate, but how many of you here have genuinely, at least at one time, if not more, in your life, genuinely experienced, and you know it was a reality, you experienced the presence of Almighty God. Wow, all over this room. See, the presence of God to a believer is comforting. But the presence of God to a, a person who's rebelling against God, who's running from God, is very frightening. It, it is. It, it's a comfort to the saints, but, but it's a terror to a sinner. You know, no, it's like somebody's shining the light into a dark place where you're at. But he tells us here that now he has reconciled us back to himself through what Christ Jesus has done in his own body. When he went to, you know, the cross and he, he was buried and, and then he rose from the, the dead, we've been reconciled to, to the Father. And it says, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault, not even one. Now, do you have some faults? Does the person sitting beside you have faults? Don't answer that question. <laughs> but he says what he did, what he did for us, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the blood of Jesus, God's son. What's that next word? Cleanses. Cleanses from all sin. But I want you to change that word for a moment. And I want you to read it with me. But just for the moment, I want you to drop the word cleanses and put in the word forgives. Okay? So let's read it, replacing the word cleanse with the word forgive. It says, the blood, read it with me, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, forgives us from all sin. Do you see it's the same thing? When God forgives us, he cleanses us. That's important to recognize that. Because some people say, well, I'm forgiven, but they don't understand that I've been cleansed. And when God forgives us, he cleanses us. He genuinely removes that from us. Picking up here in first, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, it says, But you must 
continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. You must continue. Now, let's just say that you went out uh, to the coast over there somewhere on the Long Island Sound and, and you, you had access to a sailboat and, and you got aboard the sailboat and you could see out there over on Long Island or maybe, maybe you, you could see off in the distance and you had your maps and all and you knew where Block Island was at and all and you set sail on a beautiful day like today and you, you're, you're going to make it to a certain location. All right, you got your sails set right. You've got your, your rudder and, and you're steering toward a certain location. What happens if about halfway there, you just turn loose of the rudder? Will you ever reach your destination? Probably not. You've got to continue. You've got to continue using your map, your compass. If the cloud or mist rolls in, using that compass, you're going to hang on to that rudder and you've got to keep it on course. Now, how many of you here can ride a bicycle? A bunch of you. Now, what happens when you're riding your bicycle on a beautiful day like today, and then you stop pedaling? Now, you may have a real good sense of balance, and you might be able for a minute or two, be able once the bike comes to a stop, and you're trying to balance it there, but eventually, what's going to happen? It's going to crash. The Bible says you must continue. You got to continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Continue. Continue the process. Don't turn loose of the rudder. Don't stop pedaling. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Do you ever drift off course? Well, here, here's a better question. How many of you have ever started a project? <laughs> so we go look in your garage or your closet or your attic. Is there ever, ever a, I don't even need to ask you, is there a project you haven't finished? I don't need to ask that question, do I? <laughs> I don't need to ask that question because I know me. But it says here, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it and don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift off course. Don't drift off course. You set your hand on that rudder. Stay the course. You keep pedaling is what I'm talking about here. Now, interesting enough, in the medical world, Amputees, men, women, you know, folks who've lost a limb, amputees often experience what they call phantom limb syndrome, which means that though they've lost a limb, sometimes that limb that they have lost, it still hurts, and it ain't even there. It hurts, or sometimes it itches. Sometimes they, they can feel it moving. There's a phantom limb syndrome, and it's real. I mean, it's, it's documented over and over and over and over and over and over. Now, Christians can become obsessed with the memory of past sin. You can become so obsessed with the memory of past sin that from time to time, 
When something's going on in your life that's maybe not really good, it's not really perfect and all, something's going on in your life, and you'll go into your closet, you'll open up that closet, and back there hid where nobody can see is a little skeleton of something in your past. And you can look at that little thing and say, you are the reason this is happening into my life. Because of some sin I committed long time ago, it's causing this to happen in my life today. And see, the truth of it is, if God forgives you, what happens? He cleanses you. But you've got what they, we, we would call phantom sin syndrome. It's not really there because God has forgiven us. But it still seems to be controlling a part of our lives. And that's not the way it should be, you see. The phantom sin syndrome, it cripples our devotion to Almighty God. It messes with our relationships with God, but not only our relationship with God, it messes with our relationship with each other. Because we go to that closet and it's like, oh, because of this happened, this thing in my past is still affecting me today. And although like the phantom limb syndrome, the limb is no longer there, but it's causing pain. Although the sin has been forgiven, it's causing us guilt and shame. When God says he doesn't forgiven the thing, you know, we live in this fear that someone will discover our past. We live and we work overtime. Why? Trying to remove the guilt of what's in my closet. We try to remove it. But I'll do this and do this and do this and maybe somehow it'll make up for it. But listen to what the scripture says here in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, it says, but if, and that's a conditional word there, if you do, if you don't, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, not to a priest, not to a man, not to a woman, he says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just, to forgive us and to what? Cleanse. Forgive and cleanse. those things go together. When you have been forgiven, you're also cleansed. And we need to reject the phantom sin syndrome that always carries guilt, stealing our joy, stealing our strength, we need to believe what God's word says. He says, if we'll confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. I wonder why he put them both in there so you and I would understand the truth. To cleanse us from every wrong. See, this new life, this forgiveness I'm talking about, this forgiveness, this new life that's been offered to you and to me is it's much like that thing that, you know, when you got a caterpillar and there's this thing going on, what do they call that? Metamorphosis. This transformation. Yeah, it does start with a, a little uh, 
you know, grubby little old caterpillar crawling across the ground, you know. He's just eating leaves and all kinds of things. And then he goes up on a branch on fur and spins a little cocoon, you know. And this metamorphosis, this transformation takes place. Transformation. I mean, when he be, begins to make his way out of that cocoon, it changes everything. He doesn't crawl around anymore. He don't look like himself no more. Where once before you could catch him. But now, and he's so graceful upon the, the wind and his movements are, are excellent. It's just amazing. And the color, people stop and go, wow, look at that awesome butterfly. They don't say that about a caterpillar. Sometimes they just go, squash. Or you use them for a piece of fish bait or something. But what I'm saying there's a metamorphosis, which just means a transformation, an awesome change that has happened. That's what we, we see, naturally. But see, forgiveness and this new life with Christ is much like that. Could you use a little change in your life? In any area of your life, could you use some change? Well, see, the Bible tells us there's change. And, and even after there's been an awesome transformation, a metamorphosis, he says, as we behold God, as we look upon him in his word, we are changed. And this is a daily process from glory to glory. There's an ongoing process. It changes everything about us. Everything. Everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ, who belongs to Christ, who belongs to Christ. Now, how do we belong to Christ? You know, there's a surrender. I totally surrender me to you. He says here, anyone who belongs to Christ has became, become a new person. If you belong to you become a new person. And we could use some new, couldn't we? Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. It's gone. It's cleansed. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is available because Jesus rose from the dead. And this changes everything. This metamorphosis that's available to you and me, this transformation of belonging to Christ. When I surrender to him and I belong to him, the old life is gone. A new life has become. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, the new life has begun in us. And we've got to continue. He says here in Romans 8, 1, it says, so now there is no condemnation. There's no guilt for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Could, could you use some guilt-freeness? Now, I'm not sure where it was at, but I, I remember going to a restaurant and all the meals in the restaurant on the menu was labeled and they had a bunch of them that said guiltless, guilt-free. <laughs> I mean, apparently had healthier 
you know, ingredients in the diet. Now, we went somewhere the other day and it said gluten-free because I'm allergic to wheat. I can't eat wheat, you know. So I have to go with gluten-free. But I like the idea of the guilt-free stuff. <laughs> you mean if I eat this, there's no guilt, nothing bad? That's right. I'll have three. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to be free of guilt? Guilt, it, it just drags our life down. It, it, it puts a dark cloud on a sunshiny day. It steals our strength, our motivation, our joy. That's what guilt does to us. And the Bible says, now there is no condemnation. There is no guilt for those who belong to Christ, Jesus. Now, have you ever discovered that although you're a believer, you find yourself working for the devil occasionally? Do you condemn people? Do you try to heap a bunch of guilt on them to get them to do something you want them to do? Don't do that. Because you'll end up reaping the things that you sow. And it says here, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus because you've surrendered to him. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, because you belong to him, because you surrendered to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You want death? It's talking about the second death. You know what the second death is? It's hell. He says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to hell, that leads to death. Now, the devil will tell you that sin is going to control your life. But the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he sets you free from the power of sin that leads to death. The Holy Spirit sets us free. But sometimes we still believe we're in bondage. You got a dog over there. It's been chained for 10 years. And you go over there and you unhook the chain. And the dog still just runs the same path as always run. Just because up here he believes he's in bondage. He believes he's bound. He just keeps running the same trail because he's done it for so long. He thinks he's still controlled by that chain. And sometimes you think you're still controlled by the sin that Jesus said he forgave you and cleansed you of. And you go to that closet and there's this phantom sin syndrome. It still bothers me. It still hurts me. There's that skeleton. God says, it ain't there. He says, I've forgiven you and I've cleansed you. That's what he wants us to understand. He wants us to believe and to understand the truth of his word because the, the power of that life-giving spirit has freed you from sin. Sin no longer can control you. If, you. if you have a weak moment and you commit sin, well, then immediately you confess it to God and let him forgive you and cleanse you and you move forward from that point on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And all of this is a gift from God. You, you didn't earn it. Couldn't buy it. You couldn't pay for it. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection, it changes everything. Everything. In the early part of this century, a group of lawyers met in England to discuss the biblical accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Lawyers. 
very highly educated men, and they begin to study this thing out. They wanted to see if sufficient information was available to make a case that would hold up in an English court of law. And when their study was completed, they published the results of their investigation, and they concluded that Christ's resurrection was one of the most well-established facts in all of history. There was more documentation across the board that Jesus did rise from the dead than any other historical fact that we have. So says the educated. <clears throat> A kindergarten teacher was determining how much religious training her new students had. And while talking with one little boy to whom the story of Jesus was obviously brand new, he had never heard about Jesus before, Sounds hard to believe, but he hadn't. And she began relating the, his death on the cross. And when asked, well, what's a cross? She picked up some sticks, and she fashioned a, a crude cross to show him what it was like. And she explained that Jesus was actually nailed to a cross. And then he died. The little boy, with eyes downcast, quietly acknowledged Oh, that's too bad. Little kid. In the very next breath, however, she related that he rose again and that he came back to life. And this little boy, his little eyes got as big as saucers. He lit up and he exclaimed, totally awesome, ma'am, totally awesome. <laughs> he had heard about Jesus and how he had died. You know, oh, that's too bad. But when he heard the rest of the totally awesome. I'm going to tell you something. You really don't know the full identity about Jesus. You don't have a relationship. You don't know the full identity. If your response is, oh, that's too bad. Now, for the sake of you being able to see the scriptures that we project up here and all, we've put this screen here, but behind it, you can see it's sticking out just a little bit. There's a cross up there, a great big wooden cross that we put up 30-some-odd years ago. But our cross don't have Jesus hanging on it. You know, and, and no cross really should have a Jesus hanging on it because he's alive. He rose from the dead in three days, and he is alive and there to bring about this transformation in us. And when you think about Jesus, and, and even though we think about the cross and all, we know what happened three days later, right? Totally awesome, man. Totally awesome. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in us, lives in you. And though you feel weak at times, the devil tries to make you think you're weak. You have unbelievable power, the Holy Spirit abiding within you, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And, and the Bible tells us a man thinks his heart so easy. If the devil convinces us that, well, we can't do nothing, well, we can't do nothing. But when we get into God's word and find out that we can do something, it transforms us. It, it changes. I mean, totally awesome. His power dwelling in us. Uh, listen to these words. I shared them with you last week as we studied the resurrection. But listen to these words in Colossians chapter I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ. 
And hopefully that's the cry of your heart as well. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and I want to experience for myself. I want to know him and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to experience it. I want to know him in a totally awesome way. I want to experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that raises me up over the sin that tries to control me, that raises me up, transforming my life. Metamorphosis, transformation takes place, you see. There was a woman, her name was Marganita Lansky, and uh, not too long before she died, she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising honesty, she was being interviewed on television, and it wasn't too long before she died. And uh, she was a very well-known uh, secular humanist. She wrote books and all. She didn't believe in God. She didn't believe in the Bible. But in a, a moment of just totally honesty, she said, on public television, she said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. She said, I have nobody to forgive me. Can you imagine how many skeletons was in her closet and the guilt and the shame and the weight and the burden of mistakes and faults and sins that she drugged through life and even now, as she's stepping into the unknown and don't know what her future has in store, she said, I envy you Christians. I envy your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. And hearing the cry of her heart, this next passage is amazing. And it sounds, it's found in Psalms, uh, Psalms 32, verse 1. It says, oh, what joy. For those whose rebellion is forgiven, the joy of being forgiven. Imagine for a moment a prison full of hardened criminals, full of a lot of people who just did stuff they shouldn't have done. And you go there and you go, how many of you are innocent? There's always a bunch of guys in prison who declare they're innocent, you know. Well, all you guys go over to that room over there. All you who are guilty, why don't you come over to this room over here? And you have, listen, there has been a pardon that has been put into place to forgive you. No matter what it is that you've ever done, you are forgiven and you're cleansed. There's no record of it any longer. What would be the mindset of the people in that room? Joy? Real joy? They would want to dance, cut somersaults or something going, no way. You serious? I mean, I'm guilty. No, you're forgiven. You can understand this. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Truth of is, you can look at them as bad people. You just didn't get caught. Is that possible? I don't know if you understand this or not, but forgiveness is literally 
genuinely a miracle. Forgiveness. The closet's empty. The guilt is removed. There's no record anymore. You've been cleansed. Yeah, you had done something, but you, there's a metamorphosis has happened. All those old things are passed away. Everything has become new. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Verse 2, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Not some man, but the Lord Almighty himself who had his angels documenting everything you've ever done. He says, forgiven. You're clean. You're forgiven. You're clean. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, He canceled, he canceled the record that contained the charges against us. God himself has canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. When Jesus died, he died for my sins, and they've been canceled. There's no more record of it. I've been forgiven. I am clean. He says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, he sacrificed himself. Talking about Jesus, he sacrificed himself once and for all, summing up all the other sacrifices in his sacrifice of himself. The final solution of sin. The final solution. This is how you deal with sin. You're forgiven. You confess it. You're forgiven and you're cleansed. The final solution for sin. Romans 3, 26, it says, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. When they believe that Jesus died and he was buried, he rose from the dead, that changes everything. And we are forgiven and we're cleansed. And God declares that we're in a right relationship with him. Psalms 32, verse 5, it says, Finally, finally, I confessed all my sin to you. Finally, I confessed all my sin to you, not to a man. Finally, I confessed all my sin to you, and I stopped trying to hide them. You ever tried to hide some sin? He said, finally, I just stopped all that. I confessed all, all my sin to you, O God, and I stopped trying to hide them, and I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion, my mutiny, my revolution, the uprising of my selfishness that tries to, to rise up against God. <laughs> he says... <clears throat> I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. Didn't argue with me. Didn't pull out all the, the records of my past. You just said you're forgiven and you're clean. That's absolutely amazing. It changes Everything, when I've been forgiven and I am clean, it changes everything. I 
I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. There's nothing but clothes in the closet. There's no more skeletons. There's no more guilt. There's nothing more dragging me down and stealing my, my joy and my strength. No longer is there clouds that's blocking out all my, the beautiful sunshiny days. The guilt is gone. There's no condemnation. I actually did those things, but God's forgiven and cleansed me. Oh, what joy there is. It changes everything. Everything. It changes absolutely everything. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. What a God we have! Exclamation mark. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts uh, now. Verse 5 says, God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. And the day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. Psalms 103, it says, verse 1, it says, powerful verse, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Here the psalmist is talking to himself. He's saying, soul, now you pay attention. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, you bless, which just means praise, his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the original language, it really says here, forget not even one of all his benefits. He who forgives all our iniquities. That just means sin. He forgives all of our iniquities, everyone, and heals all your diseases. You know what? Listen, let's just keep believing and accessing his power. Who redeems your life from the second death, destruction. Who redeems your life from hell, from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. We're talking about a paradise crown. He crowns us. And then it goes on to say, who satisfies your mouth with good things. God even cares that you are satisfied when you eat. Is there some food that don't satisfy? If you're on a diet, you're going like, this is so bland, right? How many of you would rather have something that's satisfying when you eat? I haven't had anything to eat all day. And it's 12, 11, and I'm hungry. And I want to eat something that satisfies. Did you know God is interested? He gave you taste buds in the first place. Did you know that? He said he forgives all of our sins. 
He even says he satisfies your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagle. What I'm telling you is God is interested in you. He cares about you, every detail of your life. And when you trust him and you put your faith in him and you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, this changes everything. And when you surrender your life to him and you become his, there is no more guilt or condemnation. There is no skeletons in the closet. There is no guilt that can chase you around anymore. I'm talking about being forgiven and being cleansed. Now, uh, I have some ushers. I want to do something here this morning. If We're going to kind of do the reverse of an offering. I'm going to give you something this morning. So if I got our ushers to come out, and our ushers are going to give you a piece of paper, and they're going to give you a pencil, a little piece of paper kind of like, like this, okay? And what I want you to do with this, well, can I read you a verse out of the Bible first? You ushers, please go ahead and pass those out as quick as you can. Just give everybody... Pass them down the aisle. There's a pencil and there's a piece of paper. And I, I want everybody to take it. I'm sorry, you guys online. We ain't figured out how to get it to you yet, okay? But if you write us, we'll send you one, okay? But it's, listen to what it says. As you get in your paper and pencil, this verse is important. Micah chapter 7, verse 19 says, Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. And throw our sins into the depths of the ocean. Now, I don't have the ocean here, but we brought just a little piece of it. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would write the, the guilt that tries to chase you down. If there's some sin that really has continued to try to control your life, and this is how you want to write it, guys. You don't want a person beside you seeing what you're writing. So you do it like this. Okay? That's okay. And then you can either fold it up and you go, oh, I wrote too dark. They can see through that paper. You fold it twice. Or if you want to be like me, you just crumple it up. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to act something out. And I believe it will set you free. And what I'm talking about, you can take it here. We've already turned the light off because last night I discovered that the, the paper unfolded in the water. <laughs> but this paper dissolves. Okay? But it took a moment. So what you do, we turn the light off. And once we start this, we're going to turn these lights off also. And what you can do, and uh, do we have a, a towel here? You got a towel? You bring me that towel up here. And what we're going to have you to do, there's a, there's a towel that you're going to have right here in front. And when you put your little sin on your paper in the water, you can, I'll wait for John to move there, but you can just grab it and you can just kind of slosh it around a little bit like that. You see what's happening in that piece of paper? It dissolved. And if one gets away from you and it's on the bottom You can stir it up a little bit so nobody sees what you wrote on your piece of paper. It will dissolve right away, okay? And the truth of it is, it ain't nobody's business what you write on your piece of paper, is it? The guilt that try to chase you down, the sin, you write on there, you fold it, you crumple it up, 
you just hold it and slosh it around water, it'll dissolve. But it says in the Bible, it says, once again, talking about God, you will have compassion on us. And that's why God sent his son Jesus, because he loved us so much, to set us free and to cleanse us. Once again, you will have compassion on us, and you will trample our sins under your feet, and you will throw our sins into the depths of the ocean. And then God puts up a no fishing sign out there. So don't you go fishing for somebody else's sin. Don't you go try to find dirt on somebody else. You thank God for his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness that extends to us all. So what I want to do before we're going to play a song, but I want us just to pray together right now. As you finish and writing what you need to write on your little piece of paper, I want to ask you to join me in a prayer to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to acknowledge that we do believe that he rose from the dead. And if you, if you already know that and you already believe that, would you reaffirm your faith with us as we pray again? If you're here today and you've never done such a thing, would you join us and would you declare your faith in Christ that you do believe in him and you do believe in the resurrection and allow that metamorphosis to take place in your life, a transformation that God creates for you. So would you pray for me? Pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son. I believe that Jesus died in my place and has forgiven me of all my sins and has cleansed me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of our hearts and we open the door and welcome Jesus in as our Savior, as our Lord, and as our King. Thank you, Almighty God, for forgiving me and for cleansing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I had about three songs, different songs I was going to play. Uh, and I started this last night. We did the same thing last night. and uh, But on the way to church, I turned on, I, I prayed a little bit, and then I turned on the Christian radio, the message, and it was playing the same song we played last week at the end of the, the Resurrection Sunday service. You remember? It was called Clean. And I was listening to that song on the way to church. I said, you know what? I had to text James, because James is running all that stuff this, this weekend. I said, James, can you just give me this song? It's called Cleansed. And we'll probably play it two or three times, guys, if you don't mind. But I said, can you play that? So they dug that out. But I want you to I want you to genuinely, if you've written something on that piece of paper, I want you to fully expect the guilt to be gone, especially if you've been having that phantom sin syndrome. You know, it's been bothering you. And we're going to have to believe today that God's forgiven us. And he says he puts our sin in the depths of the sea. That's what he said in his word. He forgives us and he cleanses us. And we're going to have to believe that today. And we're going to act it out. And then we're going to walk away. We're going to walk away free. So if, as soon as we're all done with this, you can consider the service is over and you're dismissed. And if you accepted Jesus just now as your Savior, go back there. They got a gift bag for you. You got a Bible in there. If you're a guest today for the first time, you get them. I'm a guest. They got a beautiful gift for you. Just one of our ways of saying thanks for coming. We hope you come back. And there'll be some folks over here to my left who will be here to pray if you got any particular needs that's going on. But take advantage. Just sit there as long as you need to. Put your thing up here as 
You know, when you want to go sit back down or you're dismissed, however, but walk in this. The resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me. Let us access that. Let's act it out and choose to believe it today. Now, because sometimes when you put it in there, that paper unfolds, turn these lights off so nobody can see it. All the way. All right. We learned that last night. I don't want nobody seeing what my sin said on there. And nobody really is concerned about anybody else's but their own right now. Is that right? And you're just going to slosh it around there. And you're going to know that God, you're acting out what has already happened. God has forgiven you and he's cleansed you. Can we start that song?
Thanks, guys.
You are dismissed. You see beautiful.